<laughs> Hello, everyone. How you doing? How you doing? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's the summer. It's warm in July. Whoa. Well, sorry for being away for so long. I've just been busy. I think all of us have been busy. But you know what? You also have to be busy chasing your passions and chasing the things that matter to you outside of your day-to-day, even though it's all important. So I'm back for a minute, just a small talk, and I'm going to talk a little bit different today because I'm actually taking you outside with me because it's summer, and I like to be outside in the summer, so I'm going to talk to you in the open air. And uh, it's time for the in spite of, the journeys of the in spite of, the return, and it's just a conversation and then i'm looking forward to some additional conversations to follow but today i'm going to talk about uh one of my favorite hobbies that keeps me hopefully healthy and uh affirmative action because i feel like i need to just tell you how i feel about it all right let's talk let's go since I've recorded um, just been very very busy uh, in a good way a lot of good things happening creating a lot of great things uh, within the organization that I work um, but you always have to have balance because I have other passions that I want to chase other places that I want to create other places that I want to touch which one of them is podcasting um, the other is music and DJing and the last is uh, my enjoyment of traveling and riding bikes that's probably the sum of me aside from family Um, and those all make actually my total Uh, so I am riding uh, my number two bike today Uh, my road bike uh, is my favorite Um, that is um, my getaway Um, but I do have uh, a hybrid i guess you'll call it it's electric bike but it's um not one of those electric bikes where you're like riding a a souk down motorcycle and don't have to put any effort into it i didn't want that i like being out but i like exercising it's a bike for when i actually one of two things uh i've already had a couple of rides and need a break but i still want to go out or um i want to ride without having to exercise focus sometimes even though i'm still exercising but when i ride my road bike um you know it's enjoyment but it's definitely i'm trying to you know get better get faster ride longer so i got a bike that allows me to uh you know pull back from that and still enjoy it you know really focus on just the joy of riding and it's not a road bike it's um, a hybrid bike and what i mean by hybrid bike is it's um gravel friendly and um and road friendly so i can ride it on a trail um let me turn off this uh because that's gonna bother me if i leave that alone so i'm turning off my uh rear light so that um it doesn't make that noise when i walk around the bike but anyway it's a bike so that i can um ride on multiple terrain um but also and which which means i can get lost i can get lost when i ride my road bike and this is just like you know we all have our uh things that we uh just do naturally you know we're we're beasts of 
looking for things that comfort us is familiarity. And when I ride my road bike, I tend to ride the same route. <laughs> I have about, uh, let me see, two routes, two routes, maybe three that I ride. Uh, one, I live in northern New, New Jersey. I live in northern New Jersey. One route takes me over to, you know, just the beautiful towns of uh, Chatham, Madison. Uh, I get to ride on some nice back roads. Uh, the other one is a little bit more congested. I ride from my home up through Verona into Montclair, over to Montclair State, make a loop around. Montclair is just a beautiful town. Go over to the university, hang out there for a little while, see the campus drink my water and then finish the ride and usually i'll stop for a cup of coffee too somewhere along that path but with this bike i can like because i know that i have support so how it supports you for those that don't um ride bikes or don't know what this new electric bike uh variety means the one i chose gives me an option i can ride with no support um 25 support 50 support or 70 support and so what that means is I can choose, well, how much support I want. So, for instance, today, um, most of mine has been on 50. And so what that means, because when I'm using my Apple Watch, excuse me for a minute, when I'm using my Apple Watch to track, um, you know, just my, use my Apple Watch to track myself, my ex- exercise, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the Apple Watch also, if, if you use it for, you know, exercise, you can see, what zone you're in as far as uh, how much effort you're putting into your exercise. Um, Usually there's five zones, maybe six, but there's usually five zones. I think it's five. And like if I go to the gym or I ride my road bike, I'm paying attention to it on this bike. And what I've noticed, because a lot of people think that if you're riding an electric bike like this one, that it's uh, like a cheat or like doing less. But the funny thing is when I'm looking at my zone, so basically I'm putting in the same amount of effort empower on the pedals that I would normally averaging riding on my road bike. The difference is the bike is also adding an extra half of effort. So I'm close to doing the same amount of effort that I would do on my road bike, which is manual, meaning it's all me. The difference is I get to ride further because I'm actually getting a a 50% boost so I can go further. So it means that if I know that, you know, when I ride, I ride somewhere between 20 and 30 miles, um, you know, around my community. And then when I go to do some of the um, tours, uh, every every season I'll end up doing like um, anywhere between 40 and 55 mile rides. The longest I've done, I think, was 56. Um, I do, I think I aspire to do a century, which would be 100. I say I think because I'm like, I don't know if I should. <laughs> I think I want to do a century. I should. I should try to do a century um, at some point in time. But you have to prep for it. You know, and traveling all the time really gets into the way also because, you know, you can't ride, obviously, a bike if you're traveling all the time. And, you know, you can go to the gym and exercise while you're at a hotel. But, you know, different exercises work different muscles. So I can't go and run on a treadmill or run on an elliptical or anything like that and think that it's automatically going to transfer over to a bike. I mean, you could stay in shape, but it's still two different sports. It's like um, going to swim. I love to swim. My son swims, and he can, like, swim laps upon laps. You know, if I get in there and I swim, it doesn't matter how well uh, um, conditioned I am on a bike. Uh, 
uh, it definitely gets to me when it comes to uh, that part of the business. So um, where was I going with this? So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I rolled up a 12 degree hill uh, today. Right now I'm on a trail uh, at a random park uh, just uh, relaxing. And um, there was um, something that I wanted to just talk about for a minute. Um, I'm going to get back to my podcasting. I don't know if I'll talk about this on a formal podcast or have a guest to talk about this. Maybe so. There's a bunch of things to talk about. But um, uh, the, uh, I was reading this article this morning about um, affirmative action. And it was with it was a Q&A with The New York Times and the person who runs the um, think tank is the wrong word. The um, committee, not the committee is the wrong word, but he runs the organization that advocates to rid of race based um, decisions for universities and really any other place that race-based decisions are made and it's a real interesting read because you know i'm reading with an open mind trying to understand the mindset behind you know this campaign and so the guy you know has a position and his position is that you know you can't it's like uh you know it's like um he looks at it almost like uh, biting your nose to spite your face or uh, what's that saying? You know, hitting somebody back. I forgot that saying, how that saying goes, but it's like it's not going to solve the problem. His point is, if race was used to exclude people from certain parts of society, such as admission to universities, then the way to solve the problem is not by doing the same thing in reverse by allowing people into the university based on their race and it's something that I've heard before it's still interesting to me to hear that position and it's good to read and know that that's the position that he's coming from and I think a lot of people who would consider themselves more right-leaning and I don't consider myself either. I think it's on the different issues, you know. I could be left or I could be right. I think I'm kind of left central, maybe. Maybe I'm liberal in some places because, you know, I think there's some things tied to humanity that we just have to pay attention to. And I think that pendulum has changed so much. I don't even know if my answer makes sense. Um, but I've heard that before, you know. This, this conversation has been going on forever, and now it's just a Supreme Court. I think it was a Supreme Court ruling think of yeah because a lot of things have happened in the supreme court recently um so my issue is that that's an ideal uh position and what i mean by that is simply idealistically you can say that if we really want to create a place in a space where people respect everyone what everyone brings to the table and what everyone achieves and not think that anyone's achievement was tied to any privilege such as not allowing 
minorities in the universities and what he's saying by um, having seats specifically for minorities to create diversity and bring equity. So idealistically, what he says, I get it. But realistically, what are we doing to solve the short and medium term problems while the idealistic view is what everyone wants? However, it seems like a lot of people think that that idealistic view is the goal it's the only goal, it's the ideal goal, and it can't be a both end. So if idealistically that's where you want to go, let's get there. I mean, I want that too. But it leaves out a lot um, if it doesn't take into consideration a couple of things. The history of slavery, the history of oppression of many minority groups, um, and the systemic uh, parts of racism that exist in our society. And interesting, in the Q&A in this article, the interviewer did ask the interviewee, his last name is Burns. One of the questions that he asked him was, well, what is your position on systemic racism? And he says he refuses that theory. It doesn't exist. So here lays my curiosity and my issue and my problem. So you have a position uh, of power and you're using that position of power to um, change the rules of affirmative action. And when you're changing the rules of affirmative action so that universities don't make any don't don't use race as any part of the decision making process but simultaneously you're not solving and you don't believe that the history and the position that it's put people in because of the history of not having access and the multi-generational impact of that and systems that actually organizations and corporations and individual philanthropic people putting money into uh, your advocacy group to allow you to get to this position over nine years to have these that type of changes take place. But they don't believe that systemic racism exists and they're not acknowledging the historical impact of oppression. I mean, you got to solve the both sides of that coin. So I just think things aren't being taken into full consideration like they should be. Uh, and I'm just always interested to see how all this pans out. In the state of California, where they did ban um, affirmative action uh, as a way for admission into universities. And I don't have the exact statistics, but there's already history to show that that situation caused um, the admission of minorities into um some of the more prestigious universities in California is to drastically decrease over, I think, somewhere between five and nine years that that rule's been in place in California. And the guy was actually posed that thought. 
And his, his response to it was, well, that's on California. They obviously did not live up to the expectations of creating equality. And then he pointed to Texas to show that Texas had a rule where they actually said 10 percent of the top 10 percent of all schools will have access to universities. And that's a great thing. But the universities that they have access to um, are, you know, the state universities, which I went to and I love and they're amazing. But it's not giving them access to the privileged schools with the networks, with the people who have generational wealth and generational knowledge and generational uh, power and influence. You know, one of the guys that I love to listen to, Scott Galloway, he's just great, a uh, great person. Him and Kara, I like them both. And I don't know if he realized that he said this. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with him. You know, people are people. And not that anything, not that he did anything wrong, but I just wonder if he realizes this, and not just him, but anyone. He was just sharing how he tries to be there for his friends and his uh, friends' children if they need, like, uh, you know, like a letter of recommendation or to help and network with them, like he should do. Oh, I do it. Everybody should do it. But then you think about the kids from minority groups that don't have access to people in positions to write letters of recommendations from a position that they're being asked to uh, send this letter of recommendation from a certain high-level person or even the access to knowing people in different types of corporations or different type of industries and pointing them in the right direction or connecting them with someone. I have a niece that asked me for a letter of recommendation for a scholarship that she's applying for, and I'm so fortunate that I can give her a letter and I'm in a position where I think they'll pay attention to it. But the question is, I don't know many people in my family that can do that. And that's not me trying to virtue signal at all. I'm just saying it as a fact. Um, and these are uh, multi-generational problems and systemic things that you have to take into consideration. And so when you're sitting here uh, uh, changing the rules of the law of the land through the Supreme Court by not allowing race to be considered in my ideal world I don't think race should be considered but in my realistic world I know race has to be considered to some extent because we're trying to right a wrong and that's what equity is all about we're not trying to disenfranchise anyone but we are trying to be realistic and find a place of equity for the multi-generational scenarios that have led us to be where we are right now, which you do not have um, equity. And if you think that changing the rules, it's just like, you know, the idealistic of having people's perception be clear and everyone see the power that everyone brings to the table individually with not, without taking that into consideration, I just think it's an issue. Anyway, other than that, I just wanted to talk for a little while and taking a break about to get back on my bike and finish this ride before the rain comes if you're in the northeast july came in with a storm and what i mean by that is <laughs> summer really came in the heat is here the heat is here um and i do not like humidity but i gotta get outside and get around anyway this was fun mm -hmm.
<laughs> I hope it was okay to do something a little different on Journeys of the Inspired of by taking you outside with me talking a little bit about outside. For those of you that don't know uh, the cycle, uh, you know, uh, fun worlds, hopefully you learned a little bit about that. And then uh, I hope you didn't mind, didn't want to offend anyone, but I want to be honest when I speak. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this whole affirmative action situation and what it means. By the way, let me correct myself because the affirmative action was um, actually, um, it actually ended in California in the 90s. I said five to nine years. It's like 20 plus years, 25 or so. And then before I let you go, uh, some facts about Clarence Thomas. It's just... <laughs> That's probably a conversation in its, own, in its own. I mean, when you think about his upbringings, and he comes just from such a, um, um, a a downtrodden scenario financially, and what he had to come through to get to where he is. And I see this when I think about the Ben Carsons and the pulling you up by your, you know, your bootstraps type of scenario. This whole journeys of the in spite of is all about why i want to go against that of thinking that every person regardless of their situation and the different things they have to overcome generationally and multi-generationally and actually thinking that uh we need to not apply that thought which kind of goes to my disagreement with burns when he thinks about idealism i idealism um, but then uh, avoids really digging into how do you change these systems of you know, oppression. It is what it is. Um, and it's interesting that Clarence Thomas, he was an awardee of affirmative action. And a lot of his um, reasonings, you know, people's life journeys, you can look back because there are patterns. And he believes that a lot of opportunities to become an esteemed lawyer um, did not happen because the students and a lot of the law firms thought that he was a token and he wasn't really intelligent. Hmm. Young people vote all of these decisions you see coming in front of you we can't complain about it if we're not doing anything about it and that's how you do something about it you get ahead of it for your children all right let me end this i'm out absolute p journeys of the in spite of i'll see you next time because i have some interesting things i want to talk about with a couple of friends peace